All right, let's give God some praise on this wonderful Father's Day this morning, this Sunday morning, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but He's our Heavenly Father, and we give Him praise this morning on this Father's Day. I'm coming with a heart of worship. I'm bringing in a brand new song. I'm ready to see the unthinkable. I'm ready for a miracle. 
Hearts praying for a fresh encounter. Souls are looking to the living God. I'm ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Feel our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. of a new beginning God we know you have so much more we're looking to a new horizon we're praying for your reigns aboard overflowing with true redemption and overflowing of your kingdom we're ready for a real revival oh Holy Spirit come like a flood like a fire Holy Spirit, fall in this place, fill our hearts. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, oh Holy Spirit, come. We're on the edge of a new beginning. God, we know you have so much more. We're looking to a new horizon. We're praying for your reigns aboard. An overflowing of true redemption. An overflowing of your kingdom. We're ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall. In this place, fill our hearts. A Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. A Holy Spirit, come. A Holy Spirit, come. Who oh, can you feel it? Heaven is reaching, oh can you hear it, our God is speaking, oh can you see it, he's got your healing, oh just receive it, receive the freedom.
Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, for your, for your presence. We welcome it in this place right now, Father. You are faithful, God, wonderful in all your ways. A faithful Father, a good, good Father. And we just thank you for your presence that you, you said where two or more gather in one accord, you are in their midst. God, you said that you would inhabit the praises of your people. So, Lord, we just welcome your presence in this place. We welcome your presence and we worship you, Lord. Revival 
ocean, but he's made a highway through. Some may see a mountain, but we've seen the mountain move. Some may see a graveyard, but we've seen his empty tomb. Some may see a for you.
For a miracle this morning, I can feel it. You got to get into the presence of the King of Kings, Lord. There's a miracle in the works, and I can feel it. Do you need a miracle? Reach out and grab it. There's a miracle in the works, and I can feel it. This is the fullness of joy. Everything you can ever imagine or want. Miracle in the works. And I can feel it. Oh, there's revival. There's revival in the church. We believe it. And I believe it. Yeah. You believe it. There's revival in the church. It starts with you. 
It starts with you. Don't wait for somebody else. Don't wait for revival to break out in somebody else's heart. You reach out for it. You ask for it. You let the King of Kings and Lord of Lords transform your mind, transform your heart, transform your life. In this church, and I can believe it. Oh, there's revival in this church. And we believe it. Oh, there's revival in this church. And we believe it. And we believe it.
There is no other name above the name of Jesus. Death could not hold the veil tore before you. You silenced the post of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Cause you have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Cause yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name. Consume us, Lord. Yes, our God is in all-consuming fire. Our God is in all-consuming fire. Holy are you, Lord. Holy are your ways. Irreverence reverence we come. Majesty reign. So in this moment now, as heaven's drawing near, Lord, fill us with your power. Let us see your glory here. Our God is in all consuming fire. Yes, you are. Is in all-consuming fire. Our God is in all-consuming fire. Our God is in all-consuming fire. Worthy are you, Lord, worthy of our praise. 
Oh, we're laying down our lives. We're lifting high your name. So in this moment now, we're all in mercy need. God, let your fire fall. Consume this offering. Yes, our God is in all-consuming fire. Our God is in all-consuming fire. Yes, our God is in all-consuming Yes, you are, Lord. Oh, our God is in all-consuming fire.
Have your way, have your way. Make room for you. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want. Oh, right where you are right now, just surrender your heart to Him. Let go of those things that you've been clutching onto. And let Him have your way. Let him have his way in you. Let go of the traditions. Let go of the religious things. Pray that you would awaken their soul in Jesus' name right now. Holy Spirit, 
Yes, Lord. watching my live stream. We're glad you joined us this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. And I want to welcome everybody who's here in person this morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. We're glad you've joined us. And I want to start by saying happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. Yes, let's give them. We're so glad. Man, we celebrate that. We love that. That's exciting. Hey, and if this is your first time here, I want to say welcome. If this is your first time here after service, we ask that you visit the Welcome Center. We've got a special gift for you, and we want to get to know you. We ask that you just fill out a connect card so we can get to know you. We've got a special gift for you. We want to help you find your place in the kingdom of God and help you find your special fit in our church. Also, hey, look, at this time, Pastor Nick's coming. He's shaking hands. He forgot about the announcement. He's making his way to the platform because he has a special announcement for you guys he wants to remind you guys about. Thank you, Pastor Josh. How's everyone doing this morning? Ooh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm excited. Hey, Amen. I'm, I'm excited because this next week, um, tomorrow, actually, we're going to be leaving. That's an announcement also. 10 o'clock in the morning, meet at the church, please. If you have a student coming with us to youth camp. You can see I'm out of breath because I'm excited and uh, been prayerfully um, expecting God to do some amazing things. So 10 o'clock tomorrow morning here at Life Church, and we'll try to leave, get packed up, and head out hopefully by 11-ish. Um, second announcement is something that I announced last week um, for Micaiah's call. And that is something that we've done. This is our second year doing it. Um, last year we did it for one day. This year we made it for two days, and we need more help. So with that being said, we have two sign-up sign up sheets outside on the uh, Welcome Center. One's for the prayer team and one's for the serve team. So please, uh, if you feel called to that, uh, sign up, and we'd love to get with you, and we'd uh, love for you to be a part of what God's going to do on July 22nd and 23rd. Thank you. Micaiah's call is a vision that we had last year 
um, actually it's a vision from Pastor Elliot did a few, many years ago, and it was kind of uh, uh, re revamped in a way where uh, me and Josiah Boudreau uh, came together and decided that this is something that our generation needs more than ever. The world's got so many things for the children, you know, for this generation, and the church doesn't have a lot of things, so God laid it on, on our heart to re to revamp this, and um, last year we had a great turnout. I think we had like 60-something students, and that was just on a Saturday. Um, we had many volunteers. Um, Micaiah's, is just, Micaiah's call is to, to, to set this generation, to teach them that it's, uh, no matter what the cost may be, to always preach truth. He says, no matter what the Lord, whatever the Lord says, I, what I, that I will speak. And that's what Micaiah's call is about. We want to raise this generation to preach truth and only truth. Thank you. Awesome. That's we are excited about what God's doing in the youth. And I know many, many youth got touched last year. And the same thing's going to happen again this year. That God is going to pour out his power and his anointing. And it's going to be a wonderful time in the Lord. Another announcement we have for you guys. Uh, this Sunday, so not today, but the, coming up this Sunday, we're going to be doing our coffee and fellowship again in the lobby. Man, that's been great. How many of you have enjoyed that? Oh, come on. So we're going to be doing that again. It's going to be time. You just get some coffee and meet some people, connect with somebody you haven't seen before, somebody you don't know. It's an awesome opportunity. And you know what? I love coffee and coffee's good. So coffee's a good thing. It's a God thing, I believe, too. <laughs> hey, Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Here at Life Church, we have four opportunities to partner with the Lord in giving. We've got a text to give feature. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a giving feature on our website, and we've also got an app. We want you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. At this point, hey, listen, I've got a video we're going to show you guys. Uh, last week, I believe it was, Pastor announced about groups. We're building the infrastructure to launch. Uh, launch groups in the fall towards the end of August and so we're going to be showing a testimony of uh, some individuals who got involved um, and and they've they, their experience and what that's been for them and so uh, they're going to share a little bit on that but uh, you guys be thinking about that coming up in August we're looking to launch there's going to be more to come about that we're going to have meetings about it we're going to talk about it and it's going to be a great thing for us in order to connect one another with God and connect with each other and organically build discipleship. Roll that beautiful bean footage, feet, Keith. Well, uh, about five, uh, we, about five years, uh, we did home groups. Uh, we really enjoyed it. And we saw uh, such tremendous growth. Uh, something so different than the local church. Um, it's not a, a or thing. It's more like uh, both are needed. And what we saw was, uh, one thing we saw was community uh, being done in this uh, vehicle that uh, we saw relationships grow and develop. Uh, we saw uh, intimacy happen, something that uh, I think Jesus was pushing for uh, that can kind of get missed in other avenues. We saw people, a family begin to come together and grow and um, just through, through uh, victories and through, uh, through uh, crisis situations. Yeah, we had um, a past member who she actually, in the middle of being part of the group, she found out that she had cancer. 
and you know such devastating news whereas many that surrounded her I mean she had a loving and supporting natural family um, but it's not to say that some could have come at her with you know doubt or just you know negativity um, but as her spiritual family we really weekly were with her walking through her with it and fostering faith for her healing yeah I think uh, I can say that so a couple things for me in this stage of my life as a mom with young kids it's really enabled me to minister at home so because it's kind of hard to get out in this uh, you know in this season of my life and so I'm able to minister at home and actually my kids are there you know I'm able to do that and not have to get out of the house and another thing is it's a blessing for my marriage because Andrew and I can minister together and through being able to minister together kind of giftings come out and are sharpened and are you know maturity um, and so together we're able to do that so I really love that about doing growth groups and there was just such an element that uh, we really felt the power and the presence of the Lord the blessing of God come like next day like we would just always feel this jolt of things going well um, supernaturally and clearly in that um, uh, over over the weeks and over the months we just saw just such a tremendous blessing come upon the house and such a presence coming upon the house um, where uh, we just knew that you know not to be weird but our house was full of angels because so much ministry went forth we, we had uh, you know, we kind of broke it down. We had a first hour where we ate, we fellowshiped together um, and developed that aspect. And then the next hour, we, uh, we basically, uh, it was a spiritual hour where uh, the identity, trying to switch the identity of people from Christians to ministers. We are in a war right now, and it's just, it's escalated in um in the last few years so much. And so people are being taken out. And this is a, a place where as a family unit that we catch people, we can catch people, we can intercept people from falling away into uh, traps and deceptions and encourage them. And uh, where people have prophetic words, this person might have a word and things like that. And people begin to uh, have success on a personal level uh, that we all need um, and you know we've we've had someone that um, you know uh, I think I agree that you can just go deeper you know like you said it's not um, an either home groups or big big church it's and you know and so this allows more than just a surface uh, relationship like your weekly gathering with these people and you're able to um, really get you know dig down into these relationships and um, impact in that way actually on the way to this filming uh, we had a babysitter who happened to be in our group and I threw that to her I said so what did you get out of our group <laughs> and she said um, freedom immediately she said I got freedom and she said I also had visions you know I had a lot of visions the gifts were opened as I was um, is in the group and I thought that was such a, a very powerful impactful response. She said it's a safe place to come in with your baggage and leave free.
Before I get into the message this morning, I want to, I want to know where all the dads are. Where are you, dads? Stand up. I, I want to do something else. I want you to come up here. Come on. Just make a line across. Come on. This is awesome. I can't tell you how many churches I've been in where you wouldn't see half this many men. That's right. This is awesome. You know, we said it was Father's Day. Bring this down just a little bit, please. It's Father's Day, and it's a special, it's, it's a unique day. I've read several articles in the last week and a half of the condition of our nation relates directly to the abandonment of fathers. And I thought about that, and I understand that. I can recognize that. And how desperately we need men, but especially men of God, to step forward, to be seen and be heard. Listen, I watch these kids in the halls before church and after church, and they're watching you. They're watching every one of you, and, and they gravitate towards certain ones of you so easily, and it's, it's so exciting. I mean, I love it when they come running up and go, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob. And they bring a hug, you know, they grab my leg or something like that, you know. Um, but I just felt impressed to pray for the dads. And some of you have been blessed in that you had fathers who were good influences in your life or were even there for you. But there are others of us who that was not the case. But I see a group of men right here that God is working in and is going to do a great work. And, and nobody understands what dads go through except dads. Can I say the same thing goes for moms? And so many moms are having to be dads. And, and, and I pray for you all the time, I really do. But I wonder if we could stretch forth your hands. Would you just take a moment to stretch forth your hands towards these men? And guys, maybe you would just put your hand on the shoulder of the guy next to you. This is a band of brothers. <laughs> Every time I see or hear that, I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's what I want, man. I want a band of brothers. And I want you just to pray for the guy on your left or right right now. But I'm going to pray. We're going to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are a good, good father. And you love so much that you sent your only son that we might, God, be restored to you because you desire the father-child-son-daughter relationship.
And God, that's what we celebrate here. These men that stand across here are dads. They come from different backgrounds and different situations. Some had loving earthly fathers and some had none. Some had those that walked away. Some had those that, that were there, but they weren't there. But God, you are always there. Father, you are always there. And I pray for these men right now. We are in tumultuous times in our nation. And we are needing godly men, anointed of the Spirit, anointed by the word of God that would be able to shine their light, to speak forth and be a voice of righteousness in the land and a time of tumult, Lord God. And so, Father, I pray for them right now. I pray against the enemy who's tried to come against each and every one. And those that right now that are under severe attack, Father, we rebuke the enemy. And we, we pray the Father's blessing over them. The Father's blessing, Lord God. We speak it upon them, Lord God. We speak for peace in their home. We speak blessing upon marriages. Lord, we pray for their children, Lord God, and their grandchildren. And we pray that that would funnel down, Lord, from your throne upon their lives. And it would flow through their lives to the youngest one, Lord God. Help us to remember that when we're walking around, that children are looking to us and they may not have an earthly father in their lives and they're looking for that role model. God, help us be the man of God that you've called us and destined us to be. Father, we thank you. I thank you for the the relationships that are already here. But I thank you, Lord, you're going to deepen those even more in the coming weeks and months that you give us, Lord God. That God, this band of brothers right here are going to turn Lafayette upside down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate it so much. You know, last week I preached a message and I showed a, a video of a stream that, that was completely dry that became full. And I was going to pick up the second half of that, but then I realized that this was Father's Day. And I wanted to go a different direction today. But beginning next week, I'm going to begin a series on the Holy Spirit. And who Holy Spirit is, what His purpose is, how He works, how He operates. And, and, and I hope that you will come and be a part of that. And while I'm thinking about it, in two months from basically this weekend, in August 19th, 20th and 21st, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're going to have Dr. Dennis Sampabwe is going to be with us. Um, he's from Africa. He's, he's ministered in 84 different countries. He's written 20-something different books, three different doctorate degrees, but uh, he's a very humble man. And uh, but he moves in the prophetic gifts and a great teacher. And he's going to be coming in on a Friday night, seven o'clock, Saturday at six. And then both we're going to have two services on Sunday. We'll have Sunday morning and we'll do a Sunday evening at six o'clock. 
and it's going to be a great time. Now, I'm just telling you now, it's, it's two months away, eight weeks basically. It's going to be, you know, so I'm telling you now, so you can just go circle it on your calendar. And it's going to be that kind of fall thing that we've been, all we've, we've been doing the last few years, doing something unique and special. And, and when I had a friend of mine call me, he pastors Life Church in Shreveport. Now, there's a connection, right? And we've, we were together in Thibodeau, Louisiana, so we go way back. And he called me, and he said, man, he said, he said, I just I felt led to call you. Would you be interested in having this individual come? He's going to be coming down to South Louisiana for 10 or 12 days. And I said, I want him at the first end of his trip, and I want him to come here. And he said, uh, he said, we've had a multiple times here. We've seen miracles and healings. Literally, people throw crutches up on the stage and walk away healed. But but the the the, the move and the anointing of God. So. Just begin to be in prayer about that, and uh, that'll be in about two months, okay? Uh, I'm going to re be reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, and, and Pastor Josh mentioned this in prayer time, actually. He was talking about the prodigals and, and all of that, and, and so it says, Jesus continues, says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate, so he divided the property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here am I starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, he said, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. And on this Father's Day, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the Father's love. I was reminded of a story I heard many, many years ago. Men talked about the fact that he had, over a period of time, his wife uh, had been sick and she died. And he had a young son that he was trying to raise on his own. And one night, after daily activities, whatever, he had put his son to bed, and the little boy called from the other room and said, Dad, he said, uh, would, he said, would you come in here with me? And uh, the dad was tired, and he said, son, go to sleep. And um, he said, but dad, I just need you to come in here with me. I, would you just come in here and be with me right now? And he told him, he said, son, he said, God's with you. Just go to sleep. And the little boy called out. He said, but dad, I need God with a little skin on right now. I will never forget that story when he told it. And basically, the little boy was saying, I know God's here, but I need someone who can look at me, who can, I can touch, who can put his arm around me. And that's the way the Father is. Uh, like I said earlier, some of you grew up with a great home life or a good home life, and your dad was there and but many of us did not experience that. In fact, in, in most of my cases, uh, the only time I knew Dad was there was when I was in trouble. And, and, uh, but, and I carried that over into my relationship when I came to know Jesus. And I had many years I struggled trying to be accepted of the Father. I felt like I had to earn my my position with my heavenly father. And I remember the day that it broke down and it, that, that began to break down many years after being, after coming to Christ, it finally broke down. I was listening to a song by DeGarmo McKee. Some of you don't know who that is as long before your time, but there was a song in there and the song talked about being loved of the father and that there was a point, in, and they were saying in the song, said that you'll never be more loved than you are now because God doesn't love in degrees. He is love. And in, I can't tell you how I was driving on a country road in North Louisiana and pulled off the side of the road and just wept like a baby because I realized that I no longer had to try and earn my father's love, that I had all of it, and that there wasn't... It wasn't like I could do more to get more. He had it all there, and it was, he wasn't doling it out like a spoonful at a time. And, and that began a long journey for me personally in beginning to accept and understand and know our Heavenly Father's love. Well, the story we just read, Jesus is talking, and the Pharisees are grumbling uh, go back and read the setting. Jesus, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they're grumbling because Jesus is associating with sinners 
And not just any kind of sinner, he's associating with tax collectors and prostitutes. That's like on the list of sinners, they're the bottom of the list, okay? And um, they think that if he was really Messiah, then he wouldn't be uh, associating with these sinners. Um, their view was that God rejoices over the death of a sinner. Now imagine being raised in a church like that, where the leadership thinks God rejoices over the death of a sinner. I grew up thinking that God was this big white-haired fellow on the throne, and he had a big stick and lightning bolts came out of it, and he just sat there waiting for me to make a mistake so that he could take me down. I mean, that, that was my idea of God, because every time I did something wrong, I'd hear, well, that's just God getting back at you for doing wrong. So I, I, that, that just was my picture of God, you know. God just waiting for me to step out of line so he can, he can zap me or take me out or whatever, you know. And so their view was that God rejoiced over the death of a sinner. In fact, the Pharisaic teaching of that time uh, regarding relationship in, in, uh, having a relationship with a sinner was not to have one. And this is more than just kind of a blank thing. I'm just going to give you several specific examples. For example, Pharisees were prohibited from buying or selling to tax collectors. They were prohibited. If you're a tax collector, they could have no business with you. Pharisees were prohibited from eating at a tax collector's, eating tax collector's food because it may have not been tithed on. Okay, Pharisees were not allowed to invite a tax collector to their table. Pharisees were not allowed to discuss the laws. Get this one. They were not allowed to discuss the laws of purification in the presence of a sinner as they didn't want them to get purified. That's basically saying, don't talk about Jesus in front of lost people because they might come to Jesus. That's, that, that was the law. And, and, and most telling of all, Pharisees were not permitted to try and be a good example to a sinner lest they repent. Wow. I mean, really. So here's Jesus. He's having meals with tax collectors and prostitutes and the lowest of the low. And these religious leaders are just, they're just fit to be tied. And so Jesus tells three parables, three parables. And the point of the parables were to show a contrast between God's attitude towards sinners and Pharisees' attitudes towards sinners, okay? And the first parable is the parable on Luke 15, 37, and it's the parable of the lost sheep. And those who are lost are sought by the shepherd, okay? The second parable is found in Luke uh, 15, 8 through 10, and it's a parable of a lost coin. And Jesus, the emphasis is the fact that the coin is somewhere still in the house, and you can't just say, well, it's somewhere in here, but I don't know where. It needs to be searched for. And then the third parable is the, is the parable of the lost son, which we often call the prodigal son, okay? 
So on this last parable that we read, it, we read it, it's pretty understandable, but the younger son is allowed to leave the household because he's given free will to do so, and that's what his choice is. And because it was a wealthy household, the younger son wanted his part of his inheritance, and it was a substantial amount of money. And of course, the story tells us that he eventually squanders all of it that was given to him by his father, and he ends up feeding pigs for a living, which for a Jew is, is like the, is beyond the bottom of the pile because it's total defilement because Jews aren't supposed to have anything to do with pigs. Okay? I mean, so he, he comes to his senses. And I have to just say this right now. There is an awakening that is taking place already in, in individuals who once knew the Father. There is an awakening taking place even now. And they are coming to their senses. I'm telling you, they're coming. And some that you have written off and said they're too hard and too bitter, they're coming. They're at that place. I'm telling you, don't be surprised. They're coming. So this young man, he, he, he comes to his senses, he repents, and then he says, I need to return to my father and repent to him and, and he repents to God, which is good, but then he goes to repent to his father and basically says, can I have one of your servants' jobs in your household because I don't even deserve to be your son. And the father, of course, we're told, is overjoyed when he perceives that his son is coming. Now, most of the time when we hear the story about the prodigal or the prodigal son, the emphasis is on the son. But Jesus told the story in context to show the, the contrast of the father's love compared to the love or the, the, the love that was not there for the sinner by Pharisees. So we call it the story of the lost son or the prodigal son, but it's really the story of the father's love. Okay? And so there's two, there's two key elements here. And the first one is... The father was watching for his son's return. There's a mom or a dad or mom and dad, and you're out there right now, and your heart's been broken by your child who's turned and gone the other way or walked away, and, and, and almost hopelessness has set in. But I want to tell you, this father had no clue where his son was, what his son was doing, if he was prospering, whether he was not. But he was looking and watching for his son's return. And I want to encourage you this morning on this Father's Day, watch. Don't lose hope. Don't lose sight. There is no place that that child cannot run to, that God cannot find them.
There is no place that they can go to that his arm cannot reach them. There is no distance on this planet, no situation that is so far removed from what they have known that God's heart can't get to them. And so the father was watching for the son's return. That's the heart of a father. Look, there's been many times that our children have disappointed us. But that doesn't change who our heart is. Doesn't change who they are. I remember telling mine, I don't care where you go, I don't care what you do. You can go as far as you think you can go, but I can tell you this, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, you will always be my child and I will always love you. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. That was something I wish I had known growing up. And I know when the Father's heart gripped me, my heart changed. The other thing that we learn is not only is the Father watching for the Son, the Father does three things. He restores the Son with three different things. He restores him with a robe, a ring, and sandals. Now that may not mean something to us, but it, it, it is significant. And, and, the, and the first thing, the robe, is a sign of birthright, okay? Um, you, you have to go back to the Old Testament to see this. In a Jewish household, the eldest son received the birthright for his family, okay? He was the oldest, okay? I'm, I'm the oldest of seven siblings, okay? So if I was in a Jewish household, I would have received the birthright handed down from my father because I was the oldest. The birthright consisted of, of, of several different major privileges, okay? The first one was this, that the birthright meant that you, you received, the oldest son received a double portion of the inheritance from his father. So let's say there's four children in the family, and you would think, well, the inheritance should be divided four ways. No, the, the oldest would get half and the other three would get the other half. I mean, it, he just got a double portion of what the others got. I'm just using the half to make it easy for us to understand, but you, you follow what I'm saying? If there was nine kids, it would be divided by, you know, nine, and he would get a double portion of that. That's all I'm, all I'm trying to say. Whereas the others would get a single portion, and that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 21. But there's something else, and that is that he received a position of authority in the family. Um, because he was the oldest, he would naturally assume that headship of the family because he was the oldest son. And if he was the son of a king, he would also re, uh, assume position of authority in the kingdom of the king. Does that make sense? 
In other words, so he, he assumes position of authority in the family because he's, he's the firstborn. But if the father happened to be a king or let's say a tribal leader or a head of a family or, you know, like over, uh, let's say, um, the house of Judah or whatever in, in that regard. In other words, what I'm saying is they, they would receive authority as the child of a king, okay? And that's found in several places. Genesis 27, 1 Samuel 20, 2 Chronicles 21. And, and another thing is that the birthright could be transferred to one who was literally not the firstborn. I know that sounds strange. Now, you're thinking about the story about where uh, he got tricked into giving the, you know, the blessing to the younger son. But no, there's a place in Scripture in 1 Chronicles 26 and 10. Uh, we see that there's an individual named Shimri that was not the firstborn, but he was made the first. And the word there means chief by his father by giving him the privileges of the firstborn. So... There, there's, there's a unique thing that takes place in putting on the robe. It, it's an understanding of that when he did that, he was, he was like putting a robe on him. He was giving him a covering that, that would, they gave him the meaning that he had the birthright of being chief or preeminence in rank. In other words, he came back to be a lowly servant but the father put a robe on him and elevated him to a place as if he was the firstborn. Colossians 1 and 15 says this, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The meaning of Christ as the firstborn of all creation carries with it this truth of preeminence and rulership over all. It, it's like the father put that robe on his son. And he said, you are the first. You, are, you have preeminence. You have authority. You have rulership. In the Old Testament, all sons received a portion. But the firstborn always received a double portion. In the New Testament, all believers... Say believers, not, not just pastors, okay, or some evangelist or prophet. But every believer, every Christian, not only receives an inheritance, but a double portion also. How is that possible? In Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17, look what it says. For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And then he goes on himself and says this, For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? Christ, the firstborn, receives the authority of his father, the preeminence over all. But Paul says in, the Roman, in Romans that we are not just adopted. We are not like secondhand citizens. We are heirs 
And not only that, we are joint heirs with Christ. In other words, he is, he is the firstborn. He is the preeminent. He has all authority. And we are joint heirs, not subjugated under him. And he doles out just little bits to us. And please understand what I'm saying. Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords and King of kings. But we are joint heirs in, in relationship to the Father. We, we, what God has made available to his Son, he makes available to us. And I've worked so much of my life trying to earn the favor of my father. And it's all, I don't have to. He's already put a robe on me. He is saying, you are an heir with my son. And you have preeminence and you have authority in my house. Not only the birthright, the second thing is, he puts a ring on his finger. And the, the ring is a sign of authority. Genesis 41 and 42, Haggai 2 and 23, Esther 8 and 2. The father placed his ring on his son's finger. It's not a ring. It is a ring that has the signet or the mark or representation of his Father, meaning you have the authority in, in that concerning your father's business. The ring had his seal and it declared to anyone that he was his son and rightful heir and could act on his behalf. I want you to hear that. Because the enemy wants to tell us that we're not good enough. We haven't arrived yet. God can't use us yet. But I'm telling you that when you came to Christ, he not only put a robe on you and adopted you and put his name on you, he put a ring on your finger and it's the ring of his household and that you are a rightful heir and you are able to act on his behalf on earth. That is what the Great Commission is all about. Go ye therefore into all the earth and be my disciples. Preach the word and, and tell the gospel. In other words, on my behalf, you are my ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Say that with me. He anointed us. Look at your neighbor and go, He anointed you. <laughs> And did what? Set his seal of ownership on us. He put his seal on us. The birthright of a king's son guaranteed him authority in his father's kingdom. You talk about father's love. Man, that wouldn't have been that way in my household <laughs> when I was growing up. I was like, son, you're on probation for the next 90 days, 180 days, four years, whatever. You know, I mean, you're going to have to prove yourself. And how many of you know that in that case, you couldn't? 
There's no way because you can't live up to that kind of standard. And not only that, you just by nature, you're going to blow it anyway. I mean, I was always in the doghouse. In fact, the doghouse had a better house than me. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, but the birthright of a king's son guaranteed him authority in his father's kingdom. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Read that part again. All the power of the enemy. You already have that authority. He's put a robe on you. He's adopted you. He's put his name on you. He's brought you into the family. And not only that, he's given you a ring that says you're of the household of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have authority in his name to act on his behalf. And you have power, authority over all the power of the enemy. Revelation 20 and 4, and I saw thrones on which there were seated those who had been given authority to judge. That's us. That's us. But the Father's love was not just one to adopt us. And it wasn't one to just put a robe on us and, and, and give us authority. But there was a third part. And that dealt with the sandals. Remember, he said he put a robe on them, he put his ring on them, and he put sandals on them. Now, I know for years I used to read that and think, because the guy was so poor he didn't have any sandals, and his feet were all beat up and bloody or whatever, and they thought, go get the guy some slippers, man. But that's not it at all. There's a much deeper meaning to that. And it really goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 25 and 9, but... Sandals were a sign of redemption. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 7, it talks about, it says, Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. And this was a method of legalizing transactions in Israel. I mean, this is a reference to Ruth chapter 4. But imagine this. You and another guy are, are, are finalizing a deal, and he goes, okay, let's make it legal, and take off a sandal and hand it to the other guy, and he takes off the sandal and hands it to you. I'm thinking, I don't even want to touch that. <laughs> Put that smelly thing back on your feet, man. I don't know where your feet have been, and I don't know what's on your feet, right? But, but there was something unique in that, that it was a, it was a way of legalizing a, a transaction, okay? And, and um, in, in Ephesians 1 and 7, it says this, that in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In other words, the depth of his grace, we have received redemption. Redemption is, is, is to buy something. To redeem something is to buy it. Uh, somebody posted on uh, Facebook the other day. He said, I bet very few people know what this is. And it was a picture of SNH green stamps. How many of you know what that is in here? About 
Oh, seven or eight of you. I'm surprised. And I wrote, I was the first one to respond. It was a friend of mine up in Tennessee. And I said, I know what those are because that's how I got my very first guitar. Now, my mama wasn't too happy. She'd been saving up stamps forever. It used to be, folks, that when you go to stores, grocery stores, and when you bought so much in groceries, they would ring out these stamps. And they had big stamps that were like 10 or 50 or 25, whatever, or individual one. Like for every dollar, every dime, whatever it was, you got a saving stamp. And you would get a book, and you'd fill the pages. And once you had a book that was full, it was worth a certain amount of money at a redemption store, okay? When you would buy gasoline, they would not only pump the gas for you, they checked under your hood, they would wash your windows while you sat in the car, and they'd give you, I remember they gave you steak knives, they gave you plates, they gave you all kinds of stuff, but you always got like saving stamps. They had different kinds. They had SNH, they had blue chip, they had, I forgot what the gold ones were, but anyway, but SNH was probably like the biggest one. My, and my mom, so every place she went, and look, when you're buying food for seven kids, man, she'd walk out, it'd be like the kids at, at uh, with Chuck E. Cheese, you know, with all them tickets, you know, from Ski Ball, you know, they got all these tickets. My mom would, they'd, get, they'd be, rum, 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 and they'd, she'd, she'd bring them back, and she'd stuff them in this giant container saying one day she was going to put them in the book. And I had gone to church one day, and they had a guitar service. And I said, I want a guitar. And so I decided to see how many stamps it took to get a guitar. And I realized, I said, my mom might have that many. And so I spent like a day and a half licking stamps. <laughs> Believe me, in the day and a half, you couldn't talk right. I'm serious. Because if you put too much water on there, it didn't work. And they had this horrible taste, you know. But I went to the store and got all these blank books. And I started filling pages and pages. And, and, and man, the books would swell up, you know, with all those stamps in there. And, and I took all of her stamps, except for a few I didn't need. And I had put them in, a bo in books. And I carried them in a sack to the S&H green stamp store. And I bought my first guitar, Brother Bobby. You know it was a winner. I mean, yeah. it was probably something back then you could have bought for $10, you know. But I did. And one day my mom came in to put her stamps in her container and all the stamps were gone. And she wanted to know where, that had, where they had gone. And I brought my guitar out so proud to show her. I, and I played a chord, you know. And she was not happy. And I was grounded for a couple of weeks, so I got to really practice my guitar, you know. <laughs> and, um, but that's what, it, that's what it means. When it says we are redeemed, we are purchased. And so what I did was I took those stamp books and I redeemed them. And it was like money. And so I purchased things of value. You could turn so many books in for this, and the more valuable the item was, the more books that it took. But I can tell you, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
We have been bought with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. We are not our own. We belong to him. He paid the price. How's the old song go? He paid a price he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Jesus did that. And at the end of the parable of the Father's love, the party's going on, the meal's going on, there's dancing, there's music. The older son is coming in from the field and he is jealous, not having been rewarded for his merit. Because the Pharisees taught that one received rewards based on one's praiseworthy behavior and obedience with the demands of the law. And can I tell you, that is the basis of religion. It's the basis of religion. Rules, regulations, ever striving to be better to achieve a status that is unattainable to God. Religion can't do it. There's no way. So the son is upset because he says, I've been obedient to you. I've never crossed you. I've never done wrong. And you've not even killed a goat for me. And the father tells him, he said, you could have had anything you wanted any time. All you had to do was ask. And I just think about how many people on a Sunday morning have sitting in chairs or pews in buildings all across America just thinking, you know, I can never attain. I can never get there. I can never be. But then there are those who are trying to obey, 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 and they just can't get there. And they're miserable inside because they don't know the love of the Father, the depth of his love. Isaiah 64 and 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. In summary, these three parables explain God's attitude towards sinners. In the parable of the lost sheep, we find a shepherd who goes out to seek the lost. Can I tell you, that's the work of the son. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, I didn't come to heal those who didn't need healing. He said, I've come to the lost sheep of Israel. I've come to seek and save that which was lost. He searches. I am so glad for the day that he sought and I found him. He was there all the time. I just never knew it. But I'm so thankful for when I did. Because the emphasis in this parable is, the, is on the lostness. 
And the work of the Son is the one who seeks the lost. And there is rejoicing in heaven over everyone who repents and is no longer lost. Listen, the church of this day and age has lost its way. Because there, the mindset of so many in the American church is, what can the church do for me? But the mindset of our father is that he gave his son to go seek the lost. And the reason he put his name on us, adopted us, put a ring on us, and, and rejoiced and celebrates over us is not so that we can dance around and rejoice and have a good time. That's okay, but that is that we would do what the son came to do, and that is to seek the lost. In the parable of the lost coin, it's all about the fact that the coin is in the house and must be sought for. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving. He said, Jesus said, I have to leave that the one who comes after me can work. And what is his work? One of the things that he comes to do, he says, is to convict the world of sin. And he, so he's looking for those. He's looking for those who are calling out, who are crying. And then he begins to convict them. And then they are found by the Son. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in the parable of the lost son that was lost and now is found, he must be restored. And that is the work of the Father. The Father's love is a love of restoration. See, all of these parables illustrate the work of the Holy Spirit. The Son seeks, the Holy Spirit searches, He searches our hearts, He knows us better than we know ourselves, and the Father restores. Because that's the Father's heart, that's the Father's purpose, and that's the reason that John writes later in his gospel, and I'm going to close with this. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And look at that last line. And that is what we are. That is what we are. It doesn't say that is what you one day will become doesn't say one day you'll reach that pinnacle. One day you'll achieve that level of spirituality. It says that is what we are. We are the children of God. This past week, uh, I was, uh, I attended um, our state uh, uh, district board meeting uh, representing the Lafayette section and about three-fourths of the way through our meeting we're all facing the stage where the superintendent is sitting and the the, the you know officers of the assemblies of God are sitting and all of a sudden the superintendent stops and he says we have suddenly been graced with the presence of a very special person. Of course, all of us turn around 
And there standing there was my former boss, Pastor Walt Rose, who pastored in Thibodeau for 35 years. And he hired me as his first associate in 1983. And he's the reason I'm in Louisiana today. Haven't seen him since he retired. It had been many years. Lived in Texas. And, but he heard that we might be in Alexandria. And so they made a side trip and they came through. And he shared for a few moments his heart. And, um, but I'm telling you, my heart was beating out of my chest. He has a way of talking and just talking and saying the same thing a couple times over. I was like, please be quiet so I can run back there and hug you. And so finally, uh, Another pastor in the state stood up and just said, I want to honor this man. He said, because when I was down in Bayou Gosh in my first pastorate, and I knew nothing about pastoring, he said, if it hadn't been for this man who served as presbyter of my area, he said, I would have never made it. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I ain't waiting until all the niceties are out of the way. I took off running back there. And I grabbed hold of him and hugged him and wept and cried like a baby. And I remember whispering into his ear and I said, thank you for taking a chance on me. Because I'm telling you of all the resumes he had for an associate pastor, mine was the worst. It was horrible. I even confessed that in front of all those men there and women there and course he had a joke and say well I couldn't read well back then you know and I said well I'm glad you couldn't and I said but and when it came time after two years of being there that my wife and I felt led to go start a church down the bayou in Vachery Louisiana he stood there and said to his board he said we're gonna help support this guy for six months and and they prayed on us and late I'm just telling you my heart just was exploding with love because of how he accepted me and how he treated me. And then Brother Eric Truel gets up ahead of Chi Alpha and UL and talks about if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't even be a Chi Alpha program in this state and how he led him to the Lord personally. And I, I'm just telling you, there was no dry eyes in that house, in that building. Here were all these distinguished pastors sitting around and uh, district officers, and we were all crying. You know why? Because there was a man standing there that had exhibited the love of the Father who was not condescending and wasn't judgmental and, was, and wasn't looking at every mistake we made and every problem. Oh, there were times he had to jerk my chain when I worked for him. Thank goodness for that. Probably should have done it more often than he did. But I'm just telling you that it was so good. And I told him, I said, where are you going to be tomorrow? And, and, and so actually a couple days later, he was in Crowley. And I, my wife and I went over. I said, baby, we're going to stay an hour. We're not going to stay long. Three and a half hours later, we left. And you say, what, what is that all about? He lavished his love and acceptance on us. 
when we didn't deserve it. And because of that, I am who I am today, very much because of him. There were others, but very much because of him. So when I see this scripture, and John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Not doled out or, you know, just given us a port. Lavished. Can I tell you, that is like an extraordinary abundance. What love he has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. He's got an exclamation point behind it. That is what we are. I want to convey to you in, in the humblest way I can today. He loves you as much as he can love you. And, and it's not because you haven't achieved something. He can't love anymore because he, he doesn't love. He is love. And he's lavished his love on you. He's lavished his acceptance on you. He's put his name on you. He's adopted you. He's called you a son. He's called you a daughter. He's called you into his family. He's created you with purpose. He's filled you with the Spirit of God that you might be able to do what you're called to do this day. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Your days are not done because his name is still the name that is above every name. His name is in your name. Your name is in his name. The Spirit of God is inside of you. And I want to tell you this Father's Day can be a day that changes your mindset, revolutionizes the way you see God. That he's no longer a taskmaster. He's no longer one that I can't, I have to try and please. He is already pleased. He loves me as I am. And because of that love, I'm going to, I'm going to do more. I want to do more. It's not because I have to do more. It's because I want to show and express my love for him. The Father's love. It is the story of a picture of a father who will forgive when you turn to him in repentance. It is the story of a father who wants the best for you in your life. And it's the story of a father that celebrates when his children come home. There may be someone who watched my way of the internet. The father's standing waiting with his arms wide open not to condemn. He's not standing there with his arms crossed. He's standing there with his eyes wide open, his arms wide open. He's waiting. His heart is open. He's waiting to receive you and celebrate when you come home. There is no greater Father's Day gift than coming home to the Father. And I don't know where you are with God today. I don't know where, what position you have, but I feel two things in my heart. And the first thing is this, is that if you do not have a relationship with God, 
You do not have know the Father as I'm talking about. You do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. He wants to put his arm around you. He wants to welcome you. He wants to write his name on yours. He wants to adopt you into his family. And you can do that this morning. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus, but you want to do that this morning. You're ready to receive that kind of unconditional love. And you'd say, hey, Pastor Bob, would you pray for me? If that is you, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I don't want you to be ashamed. The Father's love is not anything to be ashamed of. But if you say, that's, if that's you, would you pray for me? Would you just look up here and raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor Bob, pray for me. I want to know that Father's love. Is there anybody at all? I don't know everybody here. All right. And then the second thing is, how many of you are trapped in that place where you've been trying to earn your heavenly Father's love? You said, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I just want you're trying to earn. It's a trap. It's a snare. And God wants to set you free from that. And if that is you, I want you to stand right where you're at right now if you want to be free from it. There's one. There's another one. Who else? You want to be free from that trap of trying to earn the Father's love to be good enough. There's another one. Who else? Who else? Come on. There's more. I know there's more. You're, you're, you're tired of trying to work it up, be good enough, prove yourself, be good enough, be religious enough, be holy enough, be all those kinds of things. I'm just saying, you, it's a trap, it's a snare, because the harder you try, the, the more you're going to fail. You're ready just to be received by the Father. I want you to stand right now. Anybody else? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Anybody else right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, now look, we're going to pray. But I see three women who are standing here right now. And I'm going to ask for some ladies that you know what it is to receive the Father's love. And I want you to go to them right now. And I want you to put your arms around them and be the extension of our heavenly father just like the story where the little boy said yeah but i need god with skin on <laughs> you're going to be god with skin on right now i want you to go put your arms around them and begin to pray the rest of you extend your hand towards them right now i'm telling you this is a breakthrough moment when you go from trying to serve and try to please and try to live up to impossible standards and instead the father comes and he puts a robe on you and he puts a ring on you and he puts the sandals on you and he celebrates over your over your coming home you're coming home i'm telling you you're coming to a new place in god today you're coming to a whole new place in god i'm telling you when you go move you when you move from servanthood and, and I'm not talking about that that's unnecessarily wrong thing. But when you see yourself as a slave or servant, and now you see yourself as a daughter in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a whole new place. That's a whole new level. Come on, pray for them right now. 
Come on, pray for them right now. Pray for them right now. Come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Father, let them receive right now. Acceptance. Acceptance. Hallelujah. For the prodigals again we pray for those that are being awakened in their hearts and in their minds and in their spirits the bible says when the son came to his senses he said i will return to my father's house father we pray right now that those that are out there that have wandered away from you and gone their own direction will come to their senses but in coming to their senses they will return to the Father's house. And when they return, they will not be greeted with skepticism or cynicism, but God, they will be welcomed, open on welcome, Lord God, because that is how you received us. We call them home. Holy Spirit, awaken their hearts, awaken their minds, Bring to remembrance the days of old. Bring to remembrance the moments when the, the, the presence of God was real in their lives. Bring it, bring to remembrance. Stir it up on the inside, God. Bring them to their spiritual senses where they say, God, I'm lost out here. I need to go home. And Father, we come against the enemy who would try and plant lies in their hearts that would say that they're not welcome. Father, they will find themselves back home. They will find their way home. This is our heart cry this Father's Day. Holy Spirit, search them out. Search them out, Holy Ghost. Go after them. Bring conviction upon their hearts, Lord God. Oh, no matter where they go, no matter which way they turn. I see right now, I see, I see those who once knew the Lord, who, who knew the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. And if you if you spoke to them right now about it, they'd say, I know, I know. But God is getting ready to do an awakening in their heart that they're suddenly gonna say, I know. And, and, and it's like a resounding echo in the in the heart of their life, in their mind and, and in their spirit. They're gonna say, I know where I belong. I know where I where home is. I know what the Father is. And they're going to be making their path coming back home. Coming back home. Coming back home. Coming back home, Lord. Coming back home. 
coming back to you away from God right now. Let me see your hand. Okay, now listen to me. I want you, I want you, you, you know how you feel, how your heart longs for them, right? How you want, how many of you want to see that, that individual coming back, back, right? You know, you know the pain, you know the hurt, you know the Anxiety, You know all of that, okay? I just want to close it out this way. I want you to find some others who are praying for their kids. And I want you to... Look, you may have to just come out in the aisles and up in the front. But I want you to get together with two or three others who are praying for their family members, their loved ones, their children, whoever it is. And I want you to pray for one another with the intensity that you would pray for your kid. I want you to pray for their kid. The one you're praying for, that loved one you're praying for, that spouse. I want you to pray with the intensity you're praying in your situation. I want you to do that right now. Can we do that right now? Those of you raised your hands, where are you? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You may, come on. You may have to get out. Move out the aisle. Do whatever. Fine. Get together with two or three others. The Bible says where two or three agree could touching any one thing it shall be done. Pray right now. Come on, find them. Where are you at? Just wave your hands and go, I want, I want. Come on. We're not formal around here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Who else? Who else? I want you to pray. I want you to pray with intensity. Intentionality, but it within with fervency. The prayer, the Bible says, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Pray right now. Pray right now for him. Pray right now for him. Come on. Come on. This is the Father's heart. This is the Father's heart. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, Lord. God, we pray for him. We cry out. Cry out. Cry out. Cry out. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. Yes, Lord. I'm coming back to you. Yeah, yeah. every other option. Yes. When I've known the sweetest choice. Thank you, Lord. My flesh may be a beggar. But my spirit knows your voice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to taste the sea in full. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
what I've only known and measured. Can you see him coming? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm coming back to you. In Jesus' name. I'm coming back to you. They're coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. Bring them back to you, Lord. Oh, bring them back to you, Lord. We're calling them back to you. I'm calling them back to you, Lord. Bring them back to you. this day 
tomorrow, every day we wake up, let us remember to share the Father's love, the Father's love with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.